That's right. Every morning I wake up and, and this is the first thing in my head. It will if you practice it, it will become a part of you to proclaim that over your your day. Uh, since this is Labor Day, I thought it was a great opportunity to tie that in with the sermon series we're on, making a difference, but making a difference at our workplace. And um, the thing of it is, is uh, I found some employee reviews that I wanted to start off with my, in my sermon. I think I've worked with one or two of these people, but these were actual reviews written by employers over their employees. So here's some of them. One of the comments was this, she sets low personal standards and consistently fails to achieve them. <laughs> he works well under constant supervision like a cornered rat in a trap. When she opens her mouth, it seems that it is only to change which foot was previously there. Here's a statement I hope none of you ever have written on your review. This employee should go far, and the sooner he starts, the better. <laughs> when his IQ reaches 50, he should sell. She donated her brain to science before she was finished using it. Now, could you really imagine having that as a part of your employee review? If you gave him a penny for his thoughts, he'd give you change. <laughs> and I, 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 I tame some of these down. I mean, some of it. If you go online and just type in employee reviews, there is a plethora of reviews out there for you to, to review. So, But I wanted to talk to you today because I'm going to ask you a question. And whether it's school or, or work, how many of you really enjoy going to work every day? I mean, it's especially those that have been in it for quite a while, or, but unless you've started your own business or such, the majority of Americans don't really look forward to Monday morning and going into work and just with a zeal and excitement like a kindergartner on their first day of school. But I also want us to look at it in a very different perspective. That your job is very important to God. Your job is very important to God. You may not even feel that your job is important to you at this point, or that you're just going through school right now. You're going through the motions. You are just going through life day after day, just trying to get through this season. But every day is important to God, and what you're doing is also very important to God. He has created us and designed us to make a difference wherever we are. Whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in the corporate world, whether it's in our neighborhood, we have been designed to make a change. The Bible itself gives quite a bit of definition about work. And I wanted to give you three quick passages here that we're going to be looking at. 2 Thessalonians 3.11 verses 12. 2 Thessalonians 3.11-12 says this, Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. Now see, we used to call that being a busybody. I don't know if you ever heard that term, but back when I was a kid, a busybody was not something you wanted to be because you were just constantly out there gossiping, putting your dog in, in backyards that they didn't need to be in and just getting involved in, in situations. And basically, this is what was being written about. Verse 12 says, We command such people and urge them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and to work to earn their own living. See, what was happening is they were representing Jesus Christ, but they weren't representing Him and making a good reflection of Christ. They were being known as, as people who were lazy and just wanted to get involved in the gossip and the drama of the day, and they were still proclaiming themselves as Christians. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11-12 tells us this, Make it your goal to live a quiet life. 
minding your own business and working with your hands. Just as we respect the way that you live, and you will not need to depend on others. Proverbs 21-25 tells us that despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin, for their hands refuse to work. So if we're going to make a difference, we have to understand that God gave us the ability to work, that our jobs are a blessing. If you're taking notes, I've got three quick points for you today. First off, we have to view our job as a blessing. A lot of people have a very wrong perspective about work. They truly believe that it was because of Adam and Eve's fall in the garden that work became the curse. And I want you to look at the scriptures with me today to realize that Adam actually had an assignment from God prior to the fall, okay? So work was not the curse. The curse made the work harder, but work was not a curse. Work is still a blessing. So if we look at Genesis 2.2, first we have to go upstream a little, and Genesis 2.2 tells us this, and on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. See, we don't think of God as working, okay? But God in the scripture says that his work of his creation, so he rested from his work. Skipping down a few passages, if you're still in the second chapter of Genesis, verse 19 tells us this. So the Lord, the Lord God formed the ground and all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. So it's important that we see that Adam actually had a role that God had given him. In fact, if you read through, basically what was happening was this. Man was made to be master over all the birds of the sea. I mean, the birds of the sea, yeah. <laughs> read my Bible. The birds of the sea and the fish of the air. Um, <laughs> just to wake up a few of the people on the back. The birds of the, 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 birds of the sea and the fish of the air. We were to rule over them. That means that there was some dominion given to man. There was management skills given to man. Whenever you are in a business, if you are in charge, you are having dominion over that place. If anything goes wrong, it comes to you, correct? Right? So there, that's management. So, so God had given Adam control, responsibility over the Garden of Eden. Even God himself had set the example in verse 2-2 that we just read that while he was created, it used the word that he worked and then he rested. I mean, some of us have been to a point where we work and we work and we work and we never rest. And there's a problem with that. You need to honor the Sabbath. You need to take time. In fact, Dino and I were just talking. If you notice, we've had some rotation in the worship because I'm encouraging Dino and I encourage Nathaniel and, and Hannah has with the rotation. Even with our volunteers, you need to take some time off because then you get refreshed and then you can pour out because as these worship leaders, where's Matt Powell? Matt did an incredible job today, didn't he? Because he got refreshed last week. Right. <laughs> When we go and get refreshed, then we can come and we can pour out. Because they're pouring out their offerings to you, their talents, their gifts, our nursery workers. That's why we love the rotation schedule, so that it's not one person being in a room every week of the year and not ever getting to come in here and enjoy the fellowship of the Word and the worship time. So it's important that even God set the example. He worked and He rested. Work has never been a curse, but it's a gift from God. It's a part of his purpose. And the best way to improve your work 
is to improve your attitude. The best way for you to improve your work is to improve your attitude. Ronald Reagan, who I greatly admire, said this. The man who does what he loves will never work another day in his life. And I was looking at this passage. And it's a very simple passage. And I was saying, I was kind of actually praying over this statement because I was thinking, why are so many Americans unhappy in their workplace? Could it be that we took a job that was convenient instead of what our true gifts and callings called us to be? You see, when Dino is up there, I was watching Dino last week when he was worshiping. There is just a joy. Sometimes just watch his face. Or when Becky is singing, or, or when David or Matt are on the keyboards, or when Randy's on the drums. I love watching it. In fact, I even said to Randy, I said, Randy, I watched you today during practice. You did such a great job. But when they're doing something they enjoy, it's not work. Okay? Now, if I took Dino and said, Dino, I know that you play that little guitar thing, you're really good, but really what I need you to do is I need you to go in and, and work the nursery this week. Uh-oh. And I want you to do it for the next 52 Sundays in a row and do it as unto God. What I'm taking him out is his gifts and callings, and I'm putting him in a place that he isn't really called to be. You see, and, and the vice versa. So then I'm taking the nursery worker, and I'm throwing a guitar in their hands and saying, now, you're going to lead worship. So Alan, come on up and just lead us in worship. And Alan's like, I, I, don't, I don't do that. Why is it that we have taken jobs that we're not called to do? And then we're miserable and unhappy. See, I think it's a part of the deception of Satan. Because truly, if we spend time and say, God, what have you gifted and called me to do? And allow me to do that so that I can enjoy the work of my hands. But what we tend to do is we take that role, we choose and pick, we don't bring God into the decision process. And sometimes just because things are convenient doesn't mean that they're of God. Sometimes we kick open our own doors of opportunity instead of waiting for God for that right job. It's important that we understand our gifts and our talents and our abilities so that we can enjoy the work. Our second point is that we must view our job as a bridge. Now, if you understand the concept of a bridge, the bridge is, I'm standing here, I need to get over there, and yet there is a valley in between. So what happens? Engineers come in and said, well, we'll make a bridge. And that way you can travel from this side over to this side and everything is great. Deep down inside of us, all of us have the great commission to make a, a change. To make disciples for Christ. That's what we are called to do. No matter what all our gifts and abilities do, there should be one goal, and that is to make disciples for Christ. Not decisions. See, there's a big difference between decisions and disciples. Disciples, it's a process of growing them in the Word of God and who they are in Jesus Christ. So that when the wind blows, they don't fall down. They can stand. But what happens is, a lot of times we're in our workplace and we're thinking, I can't do that in my workplace. There's the valley. Mark, you don't understand the environment that I'm at. My school does not allow anything. There's your valley. If I had more time, then I would try to get to know some of the people I work with. There's your valley. You see, you can surround yourselves with valleys. And what you have to do is you have to see that where God has placed you is the bridge to get to those other people. Philippians 2.4 tells us this. Don't look out only for your own interest, 
but take an interest in others too. Now, I know you're not going to see that quilted on a lot of pillows, okay? Because that's not a real popular scripture. But what it's saying is it's not all about you. Maybe some of you have never heard that before, but it's not all about you. It's about the people that are around you, that you are a reflection of Christ to those people. So what happens is when we see ourselves and our job as an opportunity to reflect Christ in, the, in, in every area, we'll find out that God surrounds us with people. Whether it's in our school, whether it's in our workplace, God surrounds us with people. I want to ask you a question. Just think right now, if you're in school, or whether it's in your workplace, think of your coworkers, think of your other students, think of your teachers, professors, think of your neighbors, think of people who work for you, or that the people you work for. Just kind of think about it for a second. I know it's Sunday, it's Labor Day, you don't want to be thinking about the people that you're with all the time, but for a minute, just think about them. Think about the ones that you know have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and think about those that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You spend so many hours with these people, you should know whether they have a relationship with Jesus Christ or not. The ones that don't, I want to ask you a few questions. Do you think that they go home after work and turn on TBN and Daystar and all our Christian broadcasting and watch ministries? Do you think that they do this? I don't think they do. I mean, they may. They may surprise you. How many of y'all think that those people that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ are listening to Christian music on the way home? Or stopping by Mardell's for a, a great book that talks about the names of God and the power and the authority of the Word of God. How many of y'all think are, they're reading that material? So if we don't think they're watching television that's going to build them up in Christ, and they're not listening to the radio that's the worship music's going to bring them into Christ, they're not reading books, they're not attending church, Crusades are not happening in the area anymore. How will they come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ? It's through us. God placed us in that break room. God placed us in that cubicle, in that classroom, in that area, so that we could build a relationship with them. We have to understand that this is the New Testament way that they were even teaching us that our conduct and character would build the bridges to these people. Unfortunately, what's happening is our conduct and character in our workplace is that we're building walls instead of bridges. And what happens is if there's people in your business that would love to door ding your car, okay, you have not built a bridge to them, you've built a wall. Because even though we are in the business world, we are foremost and number one reflections of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And in everything, in deed or in action, we should be reflecting the love of the Savior. There is a way to speak truth in love, and there is a way to speak truth in bitterness and envy and resentment. Revenge should not be a part of our matters in our workplace or our school. Because people recognize revenge. People recognize envy. They live in a world. That is their world. Okay? They're not walking in the peace of Jesus Christ like we are. They are looking out for number one. And they understand backbiting and bitterness and envy and unforgiveness. Those are all play toy, toys in their playground. 
And when we're playing with their toys, we make no difference between us and the Savior that is residing inside of us. So all of a sudden, walls go up between us and them. Well, they're not like us, Pastor Mark. You, you wouldn't even want them in this church. Wrong. Come on. I'd rather them be in this church than, than in some horrible situation without a Savior the rest of their life. Come on. We get so involved about the now, we forget about the eternity. And yet God has brought them into your life. They know your first name. They may know your family. You may have had lunch with them. I'm not saying that you have to stand up in the break room and hand out tracts and yell down the hallway. But I truly believe that if we pray, God will give us opportunities to reflect Christ in their lives, to bring up the opportunity of God. It may be one day you're out having lunch and you're just talking about a situation or they're sharing a situation with you. And you say, you know what? I have a hope and trust in God. Would you like to hear about it? And because you have a relationship, they'll listen to you as opposed to listening to me they've never met. They're skeptical of a stranger. You may have been working with them for the last eight years. They may have been sitting in a classroom with you for many years. But are we building bridges or are we building walls? Because our attitude is going to determine what we're building in our schools and workplaces. Number three is to view your job as a building project. There's two very strong passages that I'm going to read under this point that will change the heart and the mind of Christians as we view our job. The first one I want you to know was written basically to, to menial slaves. This passage, you have to understand this passage we're about to read, was written to slaves that didn't have a hope. Slaves didn't have 401k. They didn't get bonuses. They didn't get vacation time. They were pretty much slaves. And this is what we're reading. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Amen. Amen. It's taking our eyes off the now and looking to the future and saying, you know what? You are not working for man. You're always working for the Lord. He is your source. He is your strength. Even when people are without a position and job, I, my prayer always is, Lord, you are their source. Because when we take our eyes off of God and we start looking to man, we will constantly be disappointed. So we, no matter what your situation is this morning, you have to look at God as your source. God as your strength. God as your peace. God as your hope. No matter, however your circumstances may look, we have to understand where our help comes from. Amen. We have, bless you, we have to know also that how we earn a living is more important than what we do for a living. How we earn a living is more important than what we do. In our society, we put a huge importance on what we do. Usually the first thing we'll ask somebody when we meet them is, what do you do for a living? And all of a sudden we're gauging whether how, how high up this person is or, or how we should treat them. Well, this is the Attorney General of the State of Texas or, or this is a Supreme Court Justice or, or this is the guy that handles my, recyclers, uh, my recycle bin on Thursdays. See, we're, we're gauging them. And mentally we put them into positions. 
and also how comfortable we are with them once we put them in those positions. You see, when we go out to eat, it's about us. What am I hungry for? How good is the food? How good is the service? It's about me being comfortable, me being happy. And yet we don't realize that there are people waiting on us. But we're focused on us. And I mean, we've all done this, right? And there's times where we've been a little short, even with our wait staff. Because they're just waiters. They're just waiters, waitresses. No. They're just sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen. Or they're about to become sons and daughters of the Most High God through the way we treat them and our words and our actions. It's important that it's not all about us. We are designed to make a difference in other people's lives. If we go out to eat, look at the ability for God to make a difference in somebody's life. Have you ever thought about praying that, Lord, we'd like to go out to eat tonight. And when we do, we'd like to make an impact on somebody else. Very simple prayer. And if you pray with sincerity, I think you're going to be very surprised in what comes your way. Because we are designed to make a difference wherever we are. Whether it's a great meal. In fact, can we be a reflection of Christ even when the meal and the service wasn't that good? Come on. See, now, now I'm getting real down to the nitty gritty on this because it's like, whoa, okay, now you just went too far on that because I deserve, I, I deserve good service because I'm paying money on this. Once again, who's your source? God. Whose money is it? God's. Who owns everything in this world? God. Who allows you just to manage things for a little while? God. Do you really think that that is yours? Everything in this world belongs to God. Have you ever really thought about that? Everything belongs to God. And we just get to use it for a little while. And then we try to pass it down to our kids and, and, and they get to use it, but it's never really truly ours. So if God is our source and God is our strength, then everything that we use and do should bring Him glory. And that even means going in and having bad service and still being a reflection of Christ. Still speaking a blessing over them. So it's important that we understand the importance. Everything can change in this world. Your occupation can change. Your situation can change. It can change in a meeting, it can change in an email, it can change in an interview. But who we are continues to grow in Christ. Some of us have been saying, Lord, make me great in my workplace. And we haven't been effective for Him where we are. It's important that we understand what we're building in our workplace. The second passage comes from 1 Corinthians. It's the last passage I'll be reading for you this morning. And it's directed to some Christians living in Corinth. It's 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 15. And it says, For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Verse 10, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whosoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than we have already have, Jesus Christ. 
Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Verse 12, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. This passage isn't about works and salvation. This passage is about us already receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. God allowing me to have 40, 50 years of, of work. Have you ever met somebody in your corporation, school, business, that everything's always about them? No matter what the situation is, it's about them. They don't care if it's good for anyone else, it's about them. Their goal is to be number one. They have to be number one in everything they see and do. And their goal is to have that corner office, to have their name, to have a place, a position at the board table, to be invited to certain meetings that only upper management gets to go to. If it's school, it's all about them. And what it's saying is that all of us have been given time and talents and abilities. But are we using them to build ourselves up or are we using them to build others up? That's really what this passage is coming down to because if you see your work as just a way for you to earn an income, you are building with hay and straw. But if you see even a bad job as an opportunity to be a missionary to, for Christ in this situation, to say, I, God, I don't understand why I am in this place. I don't understand why I am here, but I am going to serve you, and I'm going to build a bridge everywhere I can to each coworker I can. And I'm going to reflect you even when I don't feel like I should. I'm going to choose to reflect you. And basically then we start building now with the gold and the silver and the jewels. Because what God is seeing is somebody who is in a bad place but is doing good things. See, all of us want to be in a good place. God, when you put me in a good place, then I'll be able to do good things for other people. The Word of God says His ways are not our ways. So sometimes maybe we're going through a bad situation, but he's wanting to see, are we still building with gold and silver and jewels? Or are we just dragging around a bunch of wood, hay, and stubble? On that day of judgment, it's not whether I'll get to spend eternity with him, because I've already made that decision. But it's whether my life really meant anything to anyone else other than myself. If you've been a parent, you understand the responsibility of impacting other lives. But what a limited perspective on life. Because thousands of people will come into your life through your lifetime. And do we want to say, God, out of the 5,552 people that came into my life, I got one person. Man, look at that one. See, to me, I'd be looking at the 5,551 that I wasn't a reflection of Christ in. That I was more cared about myself than I cared about them. Making a difference. As born again believers, it's not our choice. We are created to make a difference in our workplace. Labor Day. Andrew and I were talking about that before service. 
he asks, what is Labor Day? I go, well, there's a history to it, but really we should call it Lazy Day because nobody does anything, right? I mean, if we're going to be honest with it, nobody really, unless you're Rachel, she's going to go work in the yard, but everybody else is just going to pretty much sleep in, maybe watch some sports, and celebrate labor. <laughs> Only in America. we are designed to make a difference in our place of work. You may not enjoy your place of work, but God has you there for a reason. We were talking a minute ago about what we're building our life around and how that passage has nothing to do with whether or not I'll spend eternity in, in, the, in heaven with Christ, my heavenly Father. But maybe what's next for me in that life have I proven myself faithful in this brief existence down here on this earth? You see, our 70, 80, 90, 100 plus years that we might get to spend down here is nothing in regards to eternity. It's nothing. This is like waiting at a traffic light before you start a long journey. And yet we put everything into this few minutes that we're sitting at this traffic light. Is this a good road trip? I don't know. Is this a good road? Do we have snacks? Yes, it's a good. And we haven't even started the journey yet. Have you ever thought about how brief this life is and how much of an impact we can make just in these few minutes before that light turns green and we go on now to that, that long road trip ahead of us? But the most important thing is making sure that you have a decision with, that will allow you to go into heaven when we all breathe that last breath. I will guarantee you that all of us here today will breathe our last breath. And a decision you make right now could be the most important decision you're ever going to make. And it's whether Jesus Christ is going to be your Savior, your Lord. Pastor Mark, I'd like to, to look at my workplace with the confidence that you just had. That only comes through Christ in me and the power of the Holy Spirit working through me. Because my physical self, that's not in it. I would be that lookout for number one. I would work to be the, the top rat on the treadmill. <laughs> Truly, I would. But God has came into my life and has changed my perspective and said, Mark, it's not about you, it's about others. And you truly need to reflect Christ in everything that you do. I'd like to give you an opportunity to make a very simple decision through a very simple prayer. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, are we willing to be used by God? Are we truly willing to be used by God? If you'd like to make a decision that would make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I'd love for you to say this prayer. We're going to all say it together. Would you please repeat with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. one last story as I close today. Mother Teresa was being interviewed by a reporter 
If you're not familiar with Mother Teresa, you need to, to look up an incredible life, a life who impacted possibly millions and millions in Calcutta, India. And this reporter was trying to, to get some angle of a story and was asking all these questions. And finally he came down to this and he said, Mother Teresa, do you feel like you have any special qualities that made you successful in this role? And she quickly responded, she goes, I am a pencil. And it took the reporter back because that wasn't the response that he was expecting. And he said, she said, I am God's pencil. God holds the pencil. God decides what the pencil is going to do. God is responsible for what the pencil has done. Pencil has done. And I am truly just the pencil. And I thought about that perspective. Are we truly just a pencil? Are we willing to allow God to use us even when it doesn't make sense to us? Are we a pencil that if we're seeing a misspelled word, we're correcting God? And maybe he wanted that for a reason. I truly want to be a pencil to God. To make a difference. To be used. Let him make the decisions. And also know that he's responsible for the outcome. Because his ways are higher than mine. So when you hold a pencil next time, I want you to think about it. Is that our relationship with God? Because I truly want us to be a pencil for God. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we close. So if you'd please stand. According to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you so much. We thank you. I hope you have a very safe and happy Labor Day.